Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Wednesday, March 22nd, and today's episode is nine unanswerable questions as we head down the stretch run of the NBA season and get ready for the NBA playoffs. Joining me today are two very regular guests on the pod. I'll introduce them in one minute, but whenever I say I have two guests on the pod, it's like minus 500 odds that you guys can get this one right. But I do want to start off with one quick correction on my last episode. The last episode that I released on Monday was perhaps the most important podcast episode I've ever released. It was Parlay Math Explained. It was explaining and going over all of the math reasons why parlays are trap bets and the multipliers are nothing but lies. You lose value the more legs you add. And I went over all of the possible outcome combinations correlated to the multipliers that you get. The mistake that I made was that all of the possible outcome combinations that I gave you were simply one number too short. So it even furthers my point, but for the sake of not getting overly confusing, when I said that a three-leg parlay had seven outcome combinations, it's actually eight. When I said that a 10-leg parlay has 1,023 possible outcome combinations, just add one, it's 1,024. So. It just furthers my point when you're betting a 10-leg parlay and you get a 645x on the multiplier, but 1,024 possible outcome combinations, you're simply shooting yourselves in the foot. Okay, make sure you go listen to that episode if you bet parlays because I am saving you from yourself and hopefully will convince you to do otherwise and keep your bankroll in a good-looking place. Today's episode, like I said is nine unanswerable questions as we head down the stretch run of the NBA season. Joining me to do that is perhaps the most regular guest on the pod. We see him about once every two weeks, Earl Gibby Graves. Gib, how are you doing today? It's only right during NCAA tournament that I introduce you and say, hey, yo, Gibby, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh, happy to be back. Always fun to hop on the pod with uh, you and the next guest that you'll, you'll introduce. The next guest that I'll introduce, he gets a new title on every podcast. We'll see if he could figure this one out. This one's easily the best one I've ever given him. Duke alumni, but Georgia Tech's biggest fan, Austin Vernon. AV, do you get it? I don't get it. I'm, I'm, I'm a little upset. I was all ready to jump on this. Georgia Tech's biggest fan. My Georgia Tech days were a little Jared Jack, maybe. I don't know. This is David. You know who Stoudemire? they just hired us? You know. You know who they just hired as Mighty coach? Mouse? No way! Okay, okay. So I'll, I, I know this is probably too personal a story for such an uh, irregular guest, but in my early days of basketball in third, fourth, and fifth grade travel, uh, my mom used to write in Sharpie, in script on my shoulder, Mighty Mouse, the same tattoo that Damon Stoudemire had because I was obsessed. And I used to have little 10-year-olds asking me if it was a real tattoo. And you already know I said yes. Um, so thank you for, uh, for bringing up some good memories. I am going to be a Georgia Tech fan. But, uh, but what's, my, what's my promotion? What's my title? I mean, I, you know, Georgia Tech fan isn't you, a title. That's my you've title. You've been promoted to Georgia Tech's biggest fan. Biggest fan. It's a demotion, but I'll take it. I'll, I'll earn my pay around here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, guys, I already... Uh, sent you guys how we're doing this episode. Let me explain it to the listeners, and then we'll just simply jump right into it. Today's topic, like I said now three times, 
is nine unanswerable questions as we head down the stretch run of the NBA season. I asked Austin and Gibby to each come up with three questions of their own. I have three of my own. We do not know each other's topics, so we are going to go through this, kind of get each other's gut reaction. Normally, I will send them a list of topics like, hey, we're going to hit on these things. You don't need to send me what your thoughts are now, but these are the topics that are coming. Today, curveballs, sliders, change-ups, all around. We're throwing heaters, whatever baseball analogy you want to start with, spring training right around the corner, but we're keeping this on the hardwood exclusively. Who wants to start us off with their first unanswerable question as we head down the stretch run of the NBA season? Uh, I'll Either gladly got a jump banger. in. I, I mean, you know, you know, I think all mine are bangers. I'm a little biased here, but I, I'll, I'll start one that I think leads to one of the more interesting conversations um, and one that, that doesn't get had as much these days because of uh, some factors that we'll get into. Uh, uh, my question is, and it seems a little broad, but I'll, I'll, I'll give my answer right away so you know why I think it's so interesting, is who is currently the most fun player to watch in the NBA? Not the best player, not who affects wins the most, not scores the most. I want the most fun player. And for all the others, I think most of us will kind of put the question out there, let everyone else respond, and then give our feedback. I, I want to I put this in one direction because I – I think that there is an answer. I know these are unanswerable questions. I think there is an answer, and it's Kyrie. I I know that this is going to be uh, – yeah, I, look, I know it's going to be unpopular, and that's why this conversation doesn't get had because he's a basketball genius on the court that thinks he's a basketball genius in everything, and so that obviously hasn't been so great for his – image and it won't be great for his you know his legacy whereas in my mind and lebron james and kevin durant both agree and i've said so out loud kyrie is the most skilled basketball player to ever live so combination ball handling shooting finishing we're talking under the rim spin just just like a general touch of the ball and skill of this craft there hasn't been anyone on his level and if you haven't seen kyrie for a while Watch a Kyrie game, even a Mavs Kyrie game. You want to go watch an old Kyrie game, go for it. The ball is attached to him and moves with him like no other player that has ever lived. And uh, it's it's amazing to watch, even, even random games. I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say. I have more if you want. Gib, you want to take it? You have yeah, I, can, I can take it. Uh, A.B., the first person who came to mind was Kyrie. Uh, I just nice. think like... Watching watching him play is second to none, but I won't I won't take that answer. I'll, I'll come up with I have two guys who come to mind other than Kyrie. Uh, the first is Darius Garland. I don't know if you've watched many Cavs games. I absolutely love watching Darius Garland play. He is to me the second most creative player in the league besides Kyrie in terms of ball handling, shot making, uh, vision. Just being watching playmaking play. and vision, Gib. His yeah. his ability to get his teammates involved is second to none in the league. Yeah, it's Chris it, Paul esque. Yeah, it's it, it's amazing. I, I I love watching him play. He's really bad. Like if you watch him play, he's like really bouncy and like always yes. ready ready to go. Uh, so he's one that came to mind. And then someone who I just really enjoy watching is uh, Anthony Edwards. I love watching him play. Uh, he's just like Great. absolute bucket getter. Uh, no conscious, uh, and I think like he's got a chance to be really, really special. But like he's just super fun, uh, fun to watch right now. Even though I don't love the Timberwolves, but I love watching him play. 
Ant-Man's also like a bull defensively. So it's nice to see such a young guy just like buck up defensively and say like, I'm going to take a, a team's best wing player. I'm going to still try and put up 30 on offense and throw down crazy dunks. I think Ant-Man, that's um, two great calls, Give Two great Garland's answers. A good one too. They really are. Ant-Man. Cleveland in itself is just so much fun to watch. Love Mobley. Love watching Mitchell. Jared Allen, just super fun. Yep. All right. You, you guys ready for mine? Yeah. What do you got? My first, my first initial thought was it has to be LeBron because of the emotional connection that I just don't enjoy watching basketball as much as when then LeBron's on the TV. Like the playoffs simply aren't as fun without LeBron in them. Like a random LA Lakers game with LeBron's playing is one of the most exciting games for me to watch. People on this pod know that my dog is named LeBron, but I'm just also the perfect age and generation where, like, my prime growing up and becoming a basketball fan perfectly coincided with the emergence of LeBron and just the whole story and the amount that he's given back to the community and how he's been a role model in society for, you know, 20 years. So there's just such an emotional connection to watching LeBron that it supersedes kind of the talent of anyone else, even though LeBron's still a top-notch talent but doesn't fly high like some of these other guys and then when I was trying to take out the emotional component of it I actually was going to go Zion okay like point point Zion and explosive Zion and number one in the West Pelican Zion was one of the most amazing things to watch when it's healthy like he is such a force he is so wide and so fast it is such an anomaly it's kind of like you know, a, a younger LeBron in that sense where he's just so much dominant with his, you know, with his body. And then he also started to use angles, starting to create passes, being able to play a little bit further away from the basket. Zion was putting it all together, and it was fascinating to watch the Pelicans. They were easily my favorite league pass team because I love watching B.I. You get, like, the Alvarado mm -hmm. with the Grand Theft Alvarado with the steals. C.J. McCollum's always a treat to watch because he could ISO anyone up. You have Herb Jones and Trey Murphy emerging as young guys. You know, that team was just very fun to watch and uh, led by Zion in the early part of the season until he got hurt, and it's been a brutal skid. But, yeah, I, was, I would say Zion unemotionally, LeBron emotionally. If he can, if he can play. Mm, big yeah, who knows? Like, like, they just said he might come back for the playoffs like if the pelicans even make the playoffs i don't think i don't think we're seeing zion again historically the pelicans play it so safe with zion i don't think they're bringing him back for a play-in game or for perhaps two play-in games because they'll probably be closer to the 9 10 yeah I, I think they'll be the pelicans will be one of the biggest unknowns heading into last season given they were first in the west when healthy and now have skidded all the way to not even making a play-in game Likely, but I love the Zion pick. I mean, there's just like a, a Shaq-like physical dominance that when you watch him play and you're like, oh, y'all are in trouble. Nobody can get that second jump up as fast as him. When he puts his shoulder into people, it looks like it's casual for him and they're having a heart attack. It's, yeah, it's, he's fun to watch. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take the next question from here because I have a Kyrie-related one and a Zion-related one. I think I'm going to stick with the Kyrie-related one Good. first. The question is... What if Kyrie had just stayed in Boston? And we'll play it out a little bit. They had Tatum. They had Brown. They had Horford. They still would have been able to draft Time Lord because they got him late. What if they had the scoring punch that is Kyrie? Would they be easily number one without a doubt? Would they already have a ring? Has Kyrie foregone a ring? What if Kyrie had stayed in Brooklyn? Would, would they be 
you know, the puncher's chance in the East, would they still be in a four seed with home court advantage? You know, when Kyrie left, he's like, I gave them the four seed. And then do we think Kyrie is staying in Dallas? I'll let you guys take that however you want. But Kyrie might be on the outs of the playoffs now. It looks like the Mavs are in the play-in situation. They might not even make the dance itself. Meanwhile, Kyrie could have easily been on a home court advantage team in the East had he just stayed at home. So, fellas, what happens if Kyrie stays in any of these places? Uh, You know I love this question. Any excuse to talk Kyrie, but this is a particularly interesting one. And let's add one to the mix. What if he stayed in Cleveland? What what if he and LeBron, it was their whole career there? I mean, uh, look. Can I I answer the Cleveland one? Let me answer the Cleveland one. I think the writing was on the wall that LeBron was going to leave Cleveland for L.A., and Kyrie had one extra year on his contract, and that's why he asked out a year early and and got ahead of LeBron leaving. So I think it's pretty safe to say that they probably would have made one more finals run and played against that KD uh, Curry Warriors team that eventually played against two. Uh, no, they played against Cleveland and then again against the Raptors. It was the second year that KD won his ring and finals Correct. MVP. It was that year. Um, I think it's safe to say that Kyrie would have been on that team and they would have reached the finals again, potentially won a ring. And then LeBron would have left and, and Kyrie would have stayed in Cleveland for one more year and then left himself. So I think Kyrie's writing on the wall in Cleveland was potentially two more years, even if he and LeBron had stayed. I don't think they were both staying for a career. I think LeBron had mission accomplished, brought his championship to Cleveland, got to the finals four straight years, potentially would have won it in the last year like they didn't. But the writing was on the wall that they were both going to leave. So for me, that answer is way too logical, given how kind of like fun and dream world your your question is. Because like for a lot of these, there are real reasons why the team broke up, why they had to move on. Yes, LeBron's whole scheme plan was to take advantage of that repeater tax. You do four years here, four years there. You keep moving on. L.A. was the plan eventually with his family. Those are like logistical, not fun answers, though. Like So like, OK, when he was in Boston all that time, that was when. Kyrie was, you know, at his mentally worst and it was struggling with the team. But if you want to talk about a big three with Kyrie, JT, and, uh, and, 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 and Jalen Brown, when they maybe even keep Brad as their coach forever, I mean, that could have been a crazy dynasty and they didn't look like it at all at the time because even though, you know, they were first in the East for so long, they were never all healthy. Kyrie was such a mess, not figuring it out. And he's since said that, you know, he made a lot of mistakes there and wasn't in a good place. Um, but I, if you're going to ask me from, like, my dream world, what would make me happy? That Celtics team dominating the East for 10 years or Kyrie and LeBron being second only to Jordan and Pippen, maybe Shaq and Kobe? I, I'd like to see them make it work in Cleveland. I can't believe they couldn't. I'm going to be a little bit more cynical about how the Kyrie thing would end up in Boston. Uh, Because Boston made the finals that year, if I'm not mistaken, when he was hurt. Eastern Conference Finals. Finals. Eastern Conference Finals. Eastern Conference Finals when he was hurt. And it kind of of showed where JB and JT could take their games – when Kyrie came back, I felt like JB and JT both took a step back again. Yeah. There was like this like weird tension of like Kyrie is so good, he needs the ball, but JT and JB 
also are like growing superstars. They need to like learn to have the ball a little bit too. So I think with Kyrie's like uncertainty and like being unstable, I think it could have gotten real bad real quick in Boston if he ended up staying there. Like I don't I don't see any scenario where if he stayed in Boston for any more time, like say he signed the extension, mm-hmm. someone would have had to go. So like it just you don't would, think we're just, looking at this Boston team with Kyrie at all? Yeah, it, it wouldn't have worked. Like some like maybe maybe they actually pull the trigger and like and maybe KD goes somewhere and then they have to trade for KD for Jalen Brown or for Tatum and like that's how it works out. But like those three, I don't think would have worked out if he signed an extension in Boston. I mean, that feels like the right answer. It makes me sad again, and it, you know, ends the dream conversation, but it, it feels like the right answer. So so is that what's going to happen with the Mavs? He's not going to stay there either? They, they can't make that work? It's crazy that I think ultimately I actually lean towards Kyrie not staying in Dallas, and I think one of the biggest ripple effects that the NBA will have seen for the last 15 years is what if Kyrie had just stayed in every place? Because then you might lead to the eventual ripple of like Luca wants out because they were never able to put it together and they traded all these assets and they brought in the wrong star in KP and then they brought in the wrong star in Kyrie and they could never bring in the right person for Luca and he ends up leaving because the Kyrie situation never worked out. This has the potential to be such a big domino in, like, the landscape of how the NBA has played out for, like, you know, almost two decades. If just the idea of, like, the loose cannon of Kyrie. Like, what if he just stayed and stayed put in one place? Um, you guys think he's staying in Dallas? I do. I, if you were to go? say, yeah, where, right? Where L.A. I mean, where, L.A. has publicly said they don't want him, and I don't believe them. Clippers? I think either L.A. team is a potential. I think, Gibby, weren't we talking about this yesterday where we were saying potentially Phoenix in a Chris Paul sign-and-trade situation? That's like, the there's only always thing been rumblings of that. That's the only thing I, I see happening. I Could you see a Miami situation working out where they try and pair him with Jimmy and Bam in, in any way where they try and get, get off Hero and, and in some situation Hero and picks and make that work? Like I think once we see the playoffs happen – some of these teams are potentially going to falter and then say, okay, we need to make one more big swing and, and go for it again. What if what if Denver is one playmaker short and Jamal Murray like doesn't look great? Would they would they do Jamal in, in some situation and try and bring in Kyrie there with Jokic? Like would would if Harden leaves Philly, is there any chance that Kyrie would go run with Embiid? I just think there's so many potential options once the playoffs start that Kyrie's going to have suitors. Yeah, I'm- we see it someone of his talent pops up there's going to be suitors yeah someone's gonna someone's gonna want him but you'll say there's gonna be suitors I just you know I, I know the players love playing with him right it's it's well documented guys love playing with him even like when JT and JB when they talk about that they're like yeah we love playing with him he was great um, but you don't think that there's any front office that even if they're one big player away they're like I'm not gonna risk my job. And my security on this guy, Kyrie, who has been known now to, like, not be a sturdy or steady player, uh, like, in a locker room. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. And, I like, I, I think right now Lamar will eventually get a big bag because I think it just takes one suitor. And I think there will be suitors for Kyrie. I think there will be people who eventually come in and say, mm, not for me. 
but I do think there will be people who are trying to open up cap space and get and get Kyrie a deal. Uh, things will shake out in the playoffs that will look very different. Th- like, there's no what doubt. What happens if Toronto blows things up and and then you know like who gets the Wembyama pick and then how does that change things? What if Houston gets the Wembyama pick and tries to bring in a lot of guys? Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's going to be Houston, but I have no doubt that teams will want him. I think we're we're maybe missing the bigger side of things. Is what does Kyrie want? Kyrie has now felt like three organizations in one way or another have wronged him. And if he's gotten to Dallas and they wanted him, wanted to trade for him and have not wronged him by the time he's ready to sign his next contract, that might be enough. And we know Kyrie wants money because he's given up a lot of money, having not played under the vaccine, having taken some time off, having gotten the suspensions for the Nets. And then you go in Dallas can pay him the most and have no state income tax. No state tax is huge. We're going to add that. It it seems it seems like a good one. And no Nike. He has no Nike deal right now. He has no Nike. And he gives away more of his money on GoFundMe than anyone than anyone (laughs) in the league. (laughs) All right, Gib, hit us with your first question. All right, first question. Uh, this has to do with, I think, one of the bigger trades or more surprising trades that happened a couple years ago. Um, and just want to get thoughts on who won this trade and who is in a better position right now. Or who would you it's rather Halliburton. be? Halliburton versus Sabonis. It had to be. It had to be. Yep. It had to be. Because I, I love both guys, right? And like mm-hmm. I could see it from both teams. It's one of those trades where I'm like, when I first heard it, I was like, Wow, the the Pacers got Halliburton. They just ripped off. Uh, they just got like yeah, he's he's incredible. Yeah. But seeing how the Kings are playing this year and how fun they are and how their offense runs through Sabonis and how Fox is playing off Sabonis, um, just want to hear from you guys. Who do you think won that trade and who's in the better spot after that trade? It's it's such a rare not only win win but it's both players go to a better situation and get better. I I I love that trade. I hope that this forms a relationship between the Kings and the Pacers where they, you know, they appreciate how well this worked out and they look to trade in the future. I I was I was so on board. I think in the beginning there's no doubt that on paper the the Kings lost in a big way because they gave up a young Halliburton who was emerging. For not that Sabonis wasn't good on the Pacers, but he looked he looked like if you were a team that wanted to make the playoffs like Sacramento did, that he was going to have flaws that were going to hurt you if he was going to be your focal point, mainly defensive. Um, and he's been amazing. I'm I'm curious to hear if, if Mike has a more kind of one side one over the other. But I this is the classic win win. Put it in the textbook. I think the two biggest winners of this trade were De'Aaron Fox and Miles Turner. Both of them were getting an extra bag because of it. Both of them getting extra team security. I just think in general, yeah, it's a win-win. And it also you have to think about the other ripple opportunities that create. Buddy Heald, winner. Ultimately, I think Pacers emerge as a bigger winner because the ceiling with Halliburton Long is term. higher than the ceiling mm-hmm. with Sabonis. And you have a guy under a rookie contract, which then you have restricted free agency for, which they probably won't even need because they're just going to give him a five-year rookie max extension. So that's not a big deal. But yeah, you have that player security for a lot longer. On the flip side of that, because of the situation, like how much does player security in this situation matter when things are going so well in Sacramento? I don't think they're in any threat to lose Sabonis or Fox or any of their guys because, like, you don't need team security when it's going well and they're all loving being there. So yeah. uh, I think 
ultimately that's probably a bit overblown when people say like the contractual security but of course you know four three four years in the nba is an eternity so anything can change and these guys can you know end up not meshing well and not liking each other it could go go bear mitchell south it could be reminiscent of the jazz where they're a regular season team that could just never get over the hump and they phase out in three years and they're sick of each other but like it would have been a great three-year run for the sacramento kings they would have signed up for that kind of like the lakers would have signed up for one ring with ad and then a few shitty years so yeah uh i do think it is a win-win uh, i lean pacers but i even think the typical reasons for the pace that the pacers give is a little overblown yeah i no, i love the point you made going back to fox and turner being the biggest winner fox goes from being i think bill simmons third or fourth most uh, overpaid most overrated contract last year really struggling to the number one clutch time player this year hitting his groove gets along well with the team I, i'm happy that it's that it's working out for them AV, you want to go to your second question? You already know I do. Um, okay, okay. I'm gonna. Okay, I'm gonna go in a different direction with this one. Here we go. So, uh, my question is, how, how should the MVP award be defined, and should it sort of stay this undefinable, go with your gut, changes every year thing, or should we finally, you know, put something more definitive in writing where you're talking? best player on the best team, biggest help to your team, most individual success, because I, the reason I'm asking it, and I, and I won't give an answer, I'm going to let you guys answer, but the reason that I'm asking it is, is I hate that every year the same conversation comes up, and instead of Embiid's amazing, and Jokic is amazing, and Giannis is amazing, and you disagree about who's more amazing, instead you just disagree about what the award is for, and, and what it means, and it, it takes away from how great the players are, and what the MVP should be about. Did I let you yeah, go first? You want me to go first? All right. Um, I wish that there was something that you could write down and say, like, this is exactly what the MVP is meant to be. I just think there's so much nuance each season um, that you kind of you kind of need it to be this, like, there's no definition of it. Um, the only thing that I really dislike about it is that when the voters get sick of players winning the MVP, right? So, like, is Jokic winning his third in a row? Like, are voters actually, like, sick of that? And that's part of the reason now they're like, we don't think we're going to end up actually voting for him. Back in the day when LeBron probably should have won five straight MVPs, like, in the 90s when MJ should have won, like, seven MVPs, that should they should always still be in the running. That's the only thing that annoys me. But I feel like... If there, like, maybe Mike has an answer for this of what that definition could look like. I just don't know if there's anything you could possibly write that would take into account all the nuances that may occur throughout, you know, any NBA season. I have one rule that I would love to see instituted into the MVP conversation, like a hard fucking rule, like hard line. This is how it is. Okay. Minimum sixty-five games played. Oh, I mean that—that's easy. That's easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is killing me. So I do think, like, who who was the guy? Was it Tony Dungy who said, like, availability is the best ability? Yeah, LeBron and, like, said it too you know, when like, he won this championship in, in L.A. That was literally in his speech. Right. So so I, I just think, like, Jokic during that bubble season so clearly the MVP because I think he played, like, 81 or all 82. I value that so heavily. If this is a regular season award. And then I think the problem, like, we know these guys want MVP, 
but they're also struggling with the fact that they want to rest and do the whole longevity thing and save their bodies and whatever. But like, that's also affecting the product and everything that goes with it and making the regular season diminished. We need to find a way to circumvent the, all the resting and getting the best players to play. So if you put something on the MVP line that says you guys got to play 65 games to be, you know, in contention for the MVP, then it's going to make the star players want to show out. It might, you know, knock off Embiid from this year and he might be the true MVP and you might end up going with Tatum because he's played like all but one or two games. But like, if that's how it shakes out over history and that means we get 10 extra games of Tatum this year than we would have, then I think it's overall a, a good thing. I don't really care too much who wins the MVP. I don't overly bet on MVP. This season I had zero MVP bets. Ultimately, this is a gambling show, so I'll throw that out there. I had zero MVP bets this year at all. And so, like, it's not a super important thing to me. What's important is, like, I want these guys to play during the regular season. That's the biggest issue that we've seen. So making the awards more contingent on games played feels like it would solve that issue. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a – go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. I was going to say it's a two birds with one stone – approach there because not only are you helping define the MVP and, you know, you eliminate some people along the way that might be in that debate, but you also incentivize people to play, which is almost why I think you should be talking more about total stats than averages. And if you're talking about Mm -hmm. total stats, now you're really, that plays into the MVP. You're encouraging people to play because even non-MVP players are looking at their stats. If you can just look and say, I averaged 30, who cares how many games I played? It becomes easier to sit games and not have it affect your persona. To that point, I loved when they made Julius Randle an an all-star this year because his minutes played were like a thousand more than anyone in the player field at that point in the season. It's like he's playing so much more every night and and showing up every back-to-back, every game. So, like, I think that matters. Yeah, and then Triple J made it in the West. So it, it's all over the place. <laughs> I, I think games play matters, but I think for MVP, winning should also matter here. So, like, the your team should have to make the playoffs at least oh, yeah. or be in the playoffs. You mean top six, right? Yeah, top like not playing. Yeah, make yeah. the playoffs. No playing. Oh yeah, um, yeah for sure. Because um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to think of an MVP who wasn't that. Because that could be like, just like an easy criteria. No, there, there has, there hasn't been. Jokic was the lowest ever and got it at the six seed. Russ, Russ was what a Russ five seed. Carl, Russ and Carl Malone both got it as I think. Russ was a five. Carl Malone was a three. Every okay. single other person has been a one or two seed in history. Wait, Kobe? Um, when Kobe won it, they were not a one or two seed. I believe so wasn't that with like mim and them i don't know we could look we could have we could have av look it I'm up on the side it. as he's going yeah. right now i think the stat that i heard was carl malone before russ was the only player to to first seed uh, good job mikey they were the first seed when they kobe the, won the first seed i know i assumed it had to be cp3 because that was his year but nope okay yeah, so mamba was coming for blood oh that so he, he how must have been on that team I was thinking he won it with like men when he was averaging 35 and they were terrible. No, that was one of the Nash years. Oh, that was a Nash year. Okay. Is that my years? Yeah. Set. Okay. Um, is that good on the MVP talk? Who do, let's, let's end this with who do you guys have for MVP this year? Embiid. Same. Same. And the biggest reason for it, which it's not my original thought. It's something that I heard on another podcast. Like, 
when we're splitting so many hairs between Embiid and Jokic and Giannis, like it's really just kind of pointless. It's it's it's. But I thought the biggest thing that I heard was historically when we look back to say that Jokic has two and Embiid has one just feels right. It feels more correct than than Jokic having all three and Embiid coming in second place every year. Just I mean, that's like what voter fatigue is. And, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm <laughs> yeah. fine with it. Yeah, okay. If we're splitting hairs like that, yeah. I'm fine with it. You know, yeah. who cares? Um, um, all right. I will ask my second question. And I know I said I had a another Zion one. We often get together and, and review draft class. Let's go back to Zion's draft. We had Zion having a great season in the one seed before he gets hurt. We have Ja Morant in the two seed before his shenanigans. Who are you taking right now? Who had a better season? Who would you rather be on your team moving forward? Let's reignite the Zion versus Ja debate. AV, you're shaking your head like this isn't even much of a discussion. Uh, you know, I was I was thinking it, it wasn't much of a discussion until that last part you added where you were just saying, who, who do you want on your team? Who do you want around your organization? And the X factors of the injuries versus the jaw off the court stuff, it's, you know, we're only a few years in. So, you know, the jaw stuff could be gone. Even the injury stuff could be gone. But it, it to me, it, it had to be Zion. Even though, you know, I, I thought about it a little with the injuries and some of the off the court, whatever, and I think that'll go away. It has to be Zion. He's so dominant. If Until the league changes and it's not championship or bust, the highest upside player gives you the best chance to win a championship. And even though I like Ja's game, and I think they have a chance to build around him with a great defense, give him the ball, that type of player in the playoffs, you can, you know, just give him the ball and get out the way. I think it's Zion. I, I agree. Um I think the the injury risk of Zion is great, right? But I think his his what he brings to the court is a little bit more than Jaws. Say like say they were both fully healthy, fully no off the court stuff. Who are you taking? I think it's it's not really a question. I think you're taking yeah. Zion, right? Zion, like that's yeah. that's who you're taking, right? If there's if there's no no issues off the court, no injury, no injury risk. Um Zion, I think, is a greater injury risk. But Ja, the way he plays, he's always like, he's always like, land, like I feel like he's always one bad landing away from being out for the whole season. And I know, like, you could say that about anyone, but he's like kind of a slender dude, always yep. trying to yam it in traffic and like land. Like I'm always worried about his ankles, and so I think there's also injury risk for Ja, even though there hasn't like there. I don't know if there's been like too much. Injury risk with uh, too much injury uh, in in his past, uh, but there's always a risk there because of how he plays. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Zion here. I'm gonna just wrap it up. I agree it's Zion. So yeah. I don't need to go too much yeah. into my point. I agree with all you guys. I I actually expected both of you to say Ja and me to be on the Zion fence. Uh, ceilings higher with Zion. Think I I agree. Give injury risk is there for Morant too clearly, uh, and I almost wonder if like. Zion's in in the same category as maybe Luca, where in like five years they're truly in their athletic prime and like so fit and dialed into all the nutrition stuff and all the recovery and body stuff and pliability that it takes to be a durable athlete in in the NBA. So I would I would wonder if 
over time Zion's injury risk lessens and maybe Jaws increases. Yep. So for and, those reasons, I'm going to go Zion. And one last point just before we finish. They're both not plus defenders right now. And if I had to put my money on one of them in their career contributing more defensively as they go on, it's got to be Zion. So. Yep. Agreed on that front too. All right. Who wants to take away third question? Oh, I'll, I'll give my second question. Oh, okay. My bad. Go ahead. Yeah. All good. Um, so I think this year has been a little different than a lot of the years where there's, to me, there's no like, there's some clear like teams that you think are going to make it to the finals. Uh, but I don't think there's like a clear team like this team is 100% going to win the championship. So in a hypothetical world, and you're a buyout guy, right? You're a buyout guy. Um, you're a vet oh, and, you're, and you're trying to win a ship. Where are you signing? Like, which team are you going to? Because you think that's where you're going to go win a ship. Can we ask a few caveat questions? Yeah. Does your contribution, like, say you're filling a hole on the team, does it matter? Or you're a Theo Theo Pinson Pinson. dancing bench warmer? Theo Pinson. You're a Theo Pinson. Okay. So this is objectively the best question we've had. (laughs) I'm I'm sitting here thinking. It's it's, it's such a good question. Uh, We've never had parity like this in the NBA. So it's so hard to look at past years and say, oh, well, you know, this team could this. Uh, I'm thinking. <laughs> Celtics. Good answer. Why? I'm not overly concerned about the slip. I think come playoff times, we're going to see more Rob Williams unleashed. I think, you know, this team has played together defensively. Maybe it's Phoenix. Oh, this is tough. This is tough. Um. I'm going to go Boston because because I think they match up incredibly well with both uh, the Bucks and the Sixers. So for that reason, I think they are going to have an easier playoff ride than the rest of us are thinking. I, I think it's a good pick if Missoula ever decides to play Derek White or Brogdon over Marcus Smart in the fourth quarter because Marcus Smart has been horrendous recently. Yeah. Dreadful. Hurt like, and yeah. bad. Call timeouts. He's hurt, but yeah. Maybe call timeouts so you can make his tough. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's been tough. I, so, so for me, it's the Where are you signing? The the re, like so the, I still have the Bucks as my favorite to win it all, and still I'm not picking the Bucks because for me his question is so kind of unique and interesting because it's 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 multifaceted. It's not just who do you think's the best team, it's also whose team would improve by getting another player. So like a team like let's say like the Sixers. So they're so top-heavy with Harden and Embiid. And then, like, in my mind, sort of a mess. I don't love their bench. I don't love their rotations. If they had a player, I think they actually take a big jump. The Bucks, I sort of think, are maximizing what they have going on right now. And I'm trying to think of what type of player they could have, who would even help. And it's it's hard for me to imagine. It's, it's almost like I want to pick the most... Ah, the team that's almost the most top-heavy with the most holes, but still the best. So I think teams like the Suns fit into that category. Um, Teams like, and I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but teams like the Warriors fit into that category because there is some unspoken, they have the secret sauce, they know what's going on. Clearly the personnel isn't clicking right now, and because you don't even know if you're getting Wiggins right back, you you kind of can't pick this option. But even how bad their record is, if I knew Wiggins was coming back, and I knew that they were just sort of like they have the secret sauce, but they're a piece away. I would almost want to go there, even though if you ask me what their chances are to win the championship, I don't even have them in my top three or four. My Sidebar. pick, my pick here, 
uh, is the Denver Nuggets. I think that I love watching them play, and I think that they they have – I mean, Jokic is such a special player. They have a lot of good pieces that fit around him. I think they're just missing, like, some kind of, like, veteran presence off the bench. Like, they brought in Richard Jefferson a a few years ago to, like, try and be that. That can help them kind of, like, get over that mental hump or, like, that mental hurdle of, like, what it takes to win a ship. Um, And so I think they are probably the most talented offensive team in the league or or one of them. And so if I'm going to sign somewhere, uh, I'm thinking my veteran presence will – you know, add something. I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go to the the, uh, the Nugs. Are you? Was cons- Terrence Ross the best buyout guy this this season? <sighs> That's sad if he was. Him. Um, and he chose. He chose Phoenix. Danny chose Green Phoenix. went to Cleveland again. Insignificant. They're trying to work him into the rotation. We don't Not know. Gonna we don't know who was trying to sign Danny I, Green. I think. I think Terrence Ross had a few suitors. You might hate this answer, but the jury's out on on the Russ fit. I I know on paper it seems terrible, and I can't believe we added him, but. He has provided something that they may need for now. I don't know what it's going to look like long-term or in the playoffs. I was going to ask you, Gibby, before we move on from Denver, are you concerned that we haven't seen them perform in the playoffs? It's, it's just so hard for me if I haven't seen a team have any playoff success take them from nothing to championship. I think it's obviously like slightly a concern. Um, but I feel like they, even though they haven't had success, they've had – they, they have experience in the playoffs, right? This is not going to be the first time each of those star players has been there. You've seen, I mean, Murray's, he's kind of dipping right now and still coming back from injury a little bit. But in the bubble playoffs, like, he was special. You saw, like, a, you saw a special guy. He was incredible. You saw a special guy there. Um, I'm just waiting, like, I'm hoping Jokic can take it to another level in the playoffs. I haven't seen it. Um, so it does worry me a little bit. But if I'm that veteran presence and I've been there, maybe I can yeah. – do something that 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 helps that helps there. That Jamal that was trading fifty point games with uh, Donovan Mitchell in the bubble playoff series, yeah, that was like, amazing. oh, I just <laughs> stank face. Can I ask a sidebar question that's being discussed on zero other podcasts? But since we can fuck around and talk about it, we should talk about it because everyone's interested. Do it. Yeah. We kept mentioning Wiggins. Yeah, what's going on? You guys on? believe the rumors? What are the rumors? I don't know what the rumors are. Oh, boy. Are you serious? I'm, I'm serious. Didn't we have a conversation like a week ago about how his grandma could be dead or something? Like you saying rumors were like, like putting your eyebrow oh, up. Like the, you, didn't hear, you didn't hear the rumors that came out. Oh, you didn't I have hear not. the rumors that came out this week. I have uh, not the rumors that. were um, that his, that his uh, long-term girlfriend, who he has two kids with, was sleeping with his best friend, and the kids were never his. Holy. That. <laughs> 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 that's the rumor oh man yeah to, wait 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 oh, wait, wait. let me let me add on let me let me add on some some sore and there's more to this story she she tweeted don't believe what you read on the internet it couldn't be further from the truth but internet's running wild with it so i was gonna throw out do we believe the wiggins rumors? oh my god so now i'm you know trying to fit everything else into that context like i remember his teammates came out and they were like He's dealing with some real shit. Like, he could take as much time as he needs. Like, that's – I don't know what that's for, but they made it sound like it was sort of something unique. Oh, man. I, I hope that's not what's going on for Wig, for his kid's sake, for – oh, man. Uh, you know, I'm 
I'm over here kind of so excited that you guys are want to talk NBA and have these awesome topics and questions. And now I'm like, just sad, <laughs> dude. That's like, I can't, I don't know, man. Give you know. yeah, your, your, your eyebrows have been on the top of your forehead <laughs> since I started this sentence. It's, it's just like, it's, it's like what, like I, I, I pray that it's not, it's not true. It's one of the, like, if it's true, it's one of the saddest things ever. Because think about it from Wiggins perspective. You lose your girl, your best friend, and both your kids in one swoop, dude. Yeah, that's brutal. Like, that, uh, yeah. And so, it, like, like you gotta pray. Like, I don't know. I, I hope it's not true. I, so, if, if it is true, looking back, do we retroactively give him Finals MVP for last year? Because he he sort of was in the running <laughs> anyway. He might have steal the crown from Steve Nash for 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 worst off court story like interpersonal relationship thing. Oh, the, the Steve Nash one is brutal. Um, I, I hate I hate the Delonte West ones. If we're going down this road, I, I hate the Tony Parker ones. Um, yeah, fuck them all. So if it's true, like I, I'm, I'm sorry, Wig. Like, uh, oh man. All right, let's get back to basketball. Yeah, Who good luck. Third question. I'll do it, but as you can tell from the tone of my voice, I've not fully moved on. I'm feeling sad, <laughs> but this, this, this should help. This should help because this one is an interesting conversation, um, and kind of makes us think about some of our our favorite playoff runs over the years, and we can also, you know talk about who we think this year could be in the running to make one of these runs. So my question is, who had the single greatest championship run? Not a team. I'm talking about one player who contributed the most to winning, starting from the first round, going all the way to the finals. Um, oh, your hand's raised. Do it. Do it, Mike. So I always say when I'm reflecting on basketball and, and, and history, I will only comment on what I've watched. You know, I'm not going to go back and throw a Hakeem or a MJ because I wasn't watching their playoff runs. I can't tell you about Larry Bird, even though I could look at the stats and, and read the stories. So for me, in my lifetime, it pains me to say it was Dirk's 2011 Mavs. And it was the lethal, absolute destruction of teams in the mid-range and on the free throw line for, for four straight rounds. It was something else. Now, I know Jason Terry got the tattoo of the championship before the season and everyone <laughs> wants to put the jet in the in the spotlight. This was Dirk coming for blood like I've never seen before and it pained me as a as a big time Heatles fan watching my guy LeBron and and D Wade and Bosh and all them get ripped apart by Dirk in the mid-range. I have Dirk second. Who you got, Gib? The and this is this is you have to they had to have won the ship, right? Yep. Because my caveat, the greatest performance in players I've ever seen was LeBron. Yeah, LeBron, when they, yes. the when they did win the championship. What about Curry? Curry last season's got to count. And then I was going to say, Curry last year is number one for me because they weren't expect the the like the Warriors weren't expected to win the ship. And then in the finals, some I think it was game it was game five or game four when he just put on an absolute show. Um, That's my favorite. And really Curry solidified, game. really solidified his. His spot as a top 15 player of all time, like one of the all-time greats, because he was missing that from his resume, the finals MVP, and he just like, he carried that team, put it on his back, uh, and that was like one of the more impressive things I've seen. But I still think, even though he didn't win the championship, LeBron, when he brought him to the final, that was the greatest performance I've ever seen in individual the J.R. Smith game that year. The yeah, that, that, that was the yep. game, yep. game, yep. game, game I've ever seen someone play. 
Um, I, yeah. That's yeah, the greatest I'm, performance I've ever seen. I, look, wait, I, I have my uh, top AV, three. AV. Yeah, go ahead. AV, wait, 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 wait. Can we guess your number one? If have we left out your number one? Guess we've we've left out my number one and my number three. I have my top three, but before I just want to say I have my I have my three written out here and then a paragraph below about how it would no doubt be LeBron if he won that year. How him losing <laughs> that fifty point triple double finals game is maybe the saddest I've ever been. Watch after a game, like feeling the most bad for a player. Uh, there. Even his carry job leading up to the playoffs. I know that, like, for some reason, the rest of the East had already decided, you know, LeBron can't, can't lose. But he, he put that team on his back. Okay, so can you guess? Can you guess my top three? Go ahead. Is this so again? Wait, it's championship only runs, right? Championship only runs, and like you, I'm really only picking ones that I've seen. Even though I've gone back and watched every Jordan, you know, Finals championship game, right? I'm I'm picking people that are part of my lifetime. You know, the twenty the twenty twenty. My three my three guesses to take the two spots are going to be Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, and Kawhi Leonard. So I'm, I'm interested to hear that you say Kobe because even though I've obviously come around to appreciate his game as a youngster, I wasn't the biggest appreciator. I went pretty directly from Mike to Iverson to LeBron, and that doesn't really give you a lot of leeway to be a Kobe guy. But I, I go back and I appreciate more. Um, Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan should be on my list. I have. I have my third. I would say is tied. My third is Kawhi and Tim Duncan tied. Uh, that Kawhi run. Obviously, the shot he hit to push them over. And given that, you know, yeah, Siakam was great. Serge stepped up. The the two little guards, Fred and, and Kyle Lowry, played better than I could ever expect two little guards in physical playoff series ever playing. Can't believe that happened. But there was no, you know, there's no second real star winner. I know Siakam was great. Uh, he carried that team. I'm almost surprised you didn't guess my number one because I feel strongly he's number one. You got to give. I have two guesses. Okay. One, one was D Wade's it's first D Wade. championship. It's D Wade. It's D Wade. It's D Wade. Oh, <laughs> it's D Wade. That's the answer. It's D Wade. Oh, it's 06 Wade. Oh, 06 Wade. Actually, fun fact: sat courtside at the game four in Miami for, for no, that game. No, dude. That's. I mean, that's such a part of history. I like. I'm. I'm my. <laughs> That, that yeah, I, I, I that's incredible. You were there. You were at like a part of history. I hope they talk about that for years and years. Being down two games, nobody else in the team. Don't tell me he played with Shaq because that's not what was happening. Like I, they got the most out of that Shaq, but it was D Wade down 0-2, put the team on his back. They don't even have plays. They literally just like you can yeah. have the ball and it's then do one. the thing where you take the mid range jumper again and again. Good luck. I, look, I, I know that the Choose either get to the line or hit a mid-range it. jumper, yeah. D-Wade. Thanks. And I, I the, won't be so biased to say the refs didn't help him at all, but uh, it was Wade. <laughs> the, the, Jim, oh, who was your other guest? The only guy that we're not talking about is Shaq in 2000, their first oh, the championship yeah, yeah, yeah. when they beat – and we were young, but like that's too young. I was yeah, exactly. watching it. But Shaq, when they played the – I think it was the – oh, no, it was the, it was the Sixers – the first championship, I think. And he was he was too dominant for anyone uh, to, like, Matumbo was, like, throw, like putting his whole body on top of him to try and slow him down. That was also one of the more dominant people I've ever, I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, and he took out that Blazers team. I, like, yeah, that that's that's hard for me because I love that Blazers team. And it's a, we were a little young, and I wasn't going quite so far back. So that's actually, in terms of dominance, could be in the conversation. AV. Yeah. 
the 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 Kobe year that I'm glad didn't make the list was one with where Pow and Bynum were there, and I'm, and Pow was actually absolutely. I thought Pow should have won Finals MVP one of the years, so I'm glad that Powell it wasn't so one good. of the Kobe years. The Duncan the Duncan year that deserves it was 2014 after they lost to the Heat, and then Duncan played exclusively the five, and they were like the fastest paced team since that seven that seven offense, or less Suns, yep, and they yep. were like. They that offense and then him controlling the defense and being so smart, facilitating kind of in that Jokic catch it at the nail as a big and then play make situation that that run deserved something. Yeah. He was incredible. For I that. and it you can almost so, make the point that, that, that the, be my other one. the fact that he wasn't in his physical and skillful prime and he still made that run. You could you could say that cuts against him. You don't want to pick him in a non-prime year. Or you could say it's even more yeah. impressive that he adapted his yeah, game. Yeah, it's like it's, like, it's the Brady and the Bucks. Yeah. It's the Brady and the Bucks one. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Let me ask my last question and then we'll have AV take us home. Give it. Wait, Gib, we did all No, Gib, you'll take us yeah, home. I'll take us home. AV I'll pass three. All right. So, I have two written down. Do do you want to just I'll ask you guys. Do you guys want a development question, or do you guys want a few players and me asking you who's better right now? Um, this reminds me of uh, of <laughs> in the office when uh, <laughs> that the the boss, the new boss, comes in. Oh, I can't remember his name right now. I want to say Bob Kazimakis is his actual name, the Lizard King. And he asked Jim, would you like a, a nature reference or a, a sexual reference? And then he just gives him a sexual na- nature reference anyway. I feel like you have your question ready to go that you want to give us, and you're, you're going to fit it in. I, I want your best question. All right, I'll go with the development one. No, I was going to ask no, – the, the ones that I was going to ask, and we can save them for another time, was just like straight up who's better right now, things like Halliburton versus Harden. You know, like, like I, I think those would be very interesting, like reigniting the Kyrie or Dame or Zach Levine or Bradley Beal types of situations. Mm-hmm. So, but we're going to skip that for now. Yeah. We'll, we'll let the listeners think on those, which were pretty good. I think those were pretty good. Garland <laughs> or Trey was on the list. I think we know which way Gibby goes. Okay. The question that I'm going to ask is, we have this new style of modern stretch four that also can be an interior defender and play the five. Most notably in the NBA right now, the young guys that are doing it are Jaron Jackson Jr. and Evan Mobley, correct? Yes. Okay, cool. So they were both coached. We know uh, Tripp used to be coached by J.B. Bickerstaff, who's now in Cleveland, who I've heard in interviews say they are so eerily freaking similar. And I've also heard him say that the plan for both of them development-wise is to keep them as a four until they're about 27, 28, until their body matures a little bit. And then they're going to go the Duncan, the KG, the AD route where they become a five for the rest of their career. Now, who are you rather have as a 28-year-old center projecting five years down the line from now, Jaron Jackson Jr. or Evan Mobley? I, I can go first. I'm, I'm, I'm going Mobley. Um, I think Mobley, to his offensive game, just has a little bit more juice to it. And I think, uh, like, he can pass a little bit better. You know, Jaron Jackson can hit the open three maybe a little bit better than Evan Mobley, but I think Evan can, can like, kind of work on that um, and, and develop his three-point game. But there's something I, – I don't even know what it is. When I watch Evan Mobley, I'm like, this guy is, like, kind of special. Like, the way he moves, the way he, like, is able to, like, uh, you know, 
affect the game both offensively and defensively. I just when I'm watching, I'm like, there's so much potential here. So if you're saying when he's 28, he's going to be a center, uh, stretch center, and like he hasn't hit like his physical prime yet. Uh, I'm going to go with Evan Mobley over Jared Jackson, although I don't think you can you can go wrong with either. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the correct answer. If you're talking like GMs and value moving forward, I think you wouldn't find as many, wouldn't maybe any that would pick uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. here. But I think relative to how their games are thought of and their potential are thought of, I prefer Triple J versus the field. So you have to pick Mobley, but I think everyone knows about Mobley, and I think Triple J is actually better than people realize. I I think that something that Gibby touched on, you hear, you hear Mobley's teammates talk about him in almost like a Durant kind of way um, and, and in flashes of offense. Even though you don't see that as much on the court, you see flashes, but the numbers don't bear it out. The way their offense is run doesn't give him as much of a chance to shine. You actually don't hear that as much with Trip J. You know, you if, if he had sort of those offensive freak potential type stuff, I think you would have Ja and teammates coming out and being like, you guys see the crazy defense numbers. You don't even know what he does in scrimmages on offense for us. So even though I love that they both fit this category, I have Trip as a much better current defender. I think, again, we're talking ceiling, and the ceiling with Mobley is objectively higher. All right. Oh, get, you got to give us I your pick. I was leaving it up to debate. Oh, I have to give you my pick? Of course, uh, of course. I, 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 very much, I very much agree with what you're saying, A.V., in that Triple J is just very – is still, even though he was an all-star, even though he's going to either finish first or second in defensive player of the year, still underrated, still loads of potential to develop even further. I think both of them have near consistent first-team All-NBA year-after-year potential. Like, I think they're both – elite coming centers in the league. I think we're looking at them potentially in the Tim Duncan and KG type spheres in 10 years from now. KG so, is a good comp. I like, uh, I like that you brought that in. I mean, I think the most interesting thing we learned in this conversation is that the plan for them development wise is to shift them into the five as they hit that, you know, more physical 28 year old prime where you're stronger. That's, that's something to look forward to. You can build around that. The fantasy basketball people who listen to this podcast, uh, make sure you dynasty. grab Evan Mobley or Triple J in your dynasty league before they become full-time centers. Back. All right. Uh, yeah. Take us home. Last one. Last one. Kind of an interesting one. Don't know if you'll love it, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, so Bill Simmons the other day had his annual uh, worst contracts in the league um, segment, uh, which I always find like pretty intriguing to listen to. Love that. I did listen. Um, and so, and then, then I was thinking back maybe like 10 years ago when there was like the amnesty, like the amnesty clause where you could just like cut somebody and it like wouldn't count. And so it got me thinking like in the past like few years, we'll go back like, you know, all the deals that are affecting like the current NBA teams. If you could like any of the teams, what is one move? So that's either a draft pick, a signing, a trade that is like the biggest mistake or like the one amnesty you would use across the league. Like it, can, it could be like a mulligan on a draft pick. Like I should have taken this guy over this guy. Yeah. It could have been more. It, it doesn't have. Yeah. It could be any of those. You can oh, either like such a good not give out the too. contract, I have, not to have trade two. or not do a signing. Yeah. Yeah. I almost want to write mine down. Yeah. Go ahead. 
Okay, one of them is one of them is slightly unrealistic because it wasn't like this team wasn't conceivably going to do it, but it 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 still exists as a what if because the draft players are on the board and the picks are on the board, and it's what if the Sixers had drafted Tatum over Fultz? So the Sixers had traded up for that number one pick. Apparently, Boston only traded it exactly. knowing that they exactly. were going to get Tatum later. So that's why I say. That one's kind of hard because we know realistically the teams wouldn't have done it. And had they not known how it was going to forecast out, had they not known the Lakers were so overly obsessed with Lonzo and like things like that, like we wouldn't have the Boston would have just kept the first pick and taken Tatum. So I don't really think we were getting to that situation. The actual one that is the biggest sliding doors moment of the NBA, in my opinion, is when the 70s, when the Milwaukee Bucks. After selecting uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo with the 16th pick in the 2013 draft, entered the 2014 draft with the second pick and selected Jabari Parker over Joel Embiid, citing injury concerns for Embiid and signing up for Mr. Torn ACL, Jabari Parker. So there was such a real scenario where Joel and Giannis were teamed up. And this league was as over as when Durant and Curry teamed up. So, or Durant and Booker, perhaps. But if we had those two guys together, oh my, I would, I would be absolutely obsessed. Don't so, come at the so, Duke guys like that in front of AV. You can't come at <laughs> Jabari Parker calling him Mr. Torn ACL. We've had some busts. We've had some busts. Doesn't he have three torn ACLs, Jabari? I, he's he's gotten hurt a ton i actually believed in his game i you know i've i've been a duke believer on some uh, some players who have not panned out and i grew up even though i went to school there because you know i didn't play on the team and it was the best school i got into even though i i went there i grew up a duke hater you know like i hated that yep. that they were always talked about on espn and every announcer was always obsessed with them I tried that was my euphemism for what I usually say there and that they only wanted you know the whitest people that they could get that could fit their system and generally fuck Duke but uh yeah ended up going to school there they've had some huge busts I think those are great picks um I have a couple um they're they're recent so so that we can still talk about some of these recent players but um because I know we're from New York if you want to go the Knicks angle I was just having this conversation the other day the Knicks pass on Knox, a tough call, but they pass on Knox, and instead they take Michael Bridges. And now they're in the current situation they're in with Brunson, Bridges, Randall, Mitch, and Pieces. I don't know if it all would have panned out wow. the same. I don't know if it matters anyway, but for Knicks fans, that's the closest you get in the last X years to, to making something of yourselves out there. Um, and the other one is also kind of New York-centered, a little more BK, but the Nets don't trade away Harden because what the fuck? That was a terrible trade. What are you doing? Like, I, I don't know that they figure it out, that they can get all of them to work together, but it's not that, you know? It's not that. Like, I, I, that is sickening to look back on. I think they ended up making out okay because it wasn't going to work, and they got a lot for Durant, and they traded Kyrie even though there was only one year and everything, but god damn, they missed that one. Along with the the Bridges one that you mentioned, what if the Sixers don't trade him? The Sixers are the one who drafted him. Yeah. So what if they don't trade him draft night to the Suns, and now he's on the Sixers? I, yeah, they're even better they than the Knicks. Smith? 
Yeah, they, they Zaire Smith was for, their pick. Great call. Zaire That's Smith. Yeah, who's yeah. young? I get there's potential. Uh, no, bad, I, I think that's trade. a great one. He, also, not um, only are they better, Michael Bridges is Mikael Bridges is a better fit there, and he's a Philly guy, born and raised, and he went to school there. What you doing? And his mom works for the Sixers. Oh it's like it's like comically, yeah, it's, so it's, like as, it's as comical as it gets. I'll just give one. One that I that right. we haven't mentioned before we yeah. before we wrap it up, Mike. Um, mm-hmm. And this is more recent. The Wiseman draft pick obviously has not worked out for the Warriors. And if they had Lamelo, and just thinking about how you could have lineups of Curry, Lamelo, JP still on the team, and Clay Thompson, you're talking about some four of like. Wow. Great shooters, <laughs> pretty creative, light skin dominant. Yeah, it's it's just a it's kind of, it's interesting. It's interesting. It is. I don't think JP emerges the he's way old. that he does, and therefore I don't think that they overpay him the way that in my mind they did. But I I, I think that's such right. an interesting. Save what them if. from themselves. Yeah, exactly. There's also for the for the Knicks for the Knicks what if there's like what if they had gone in and traded for Donovan Mitchell this year? Yeah, he's killing it in Cleveland, and they yeah they fucked that up. Just like one pick away from including or including Grimes, just like they should have gone in. Another one that's great is just like what if Minnesota never made the the dumb go bear trade? What like it, it yeah, pains me that make we it didn't cat Ant Man right like like you know that core develop like they were fun. And emerging, and like, why do we have to go all in so soon? I don't, no, I those are it. great ones. Those are I mean, honestly, if if there's one MVP or takeaway from our conversations, it's that Gibby's actually really good at this. All of his questions were amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the yeah, biggest takeaway. Gibbs questions three for three. All yeah. right, glad we ended wrapped up on that one. Thank you guys as always for tuning in. Thank you both for being here. It is nice to step away from the gambling numbers for an episode and talk about the general landscape of the NBA so you guys can see how our minds are thinking and how we're reading things, which certainly impacts the picks that I give and the plays that you hopefully tail. I am going to be likely on the DFS Today podcast working with Keith. I think he's going to be hosting one, and we're going to do a strategy DFS episode And then I'll be back later this week to do a slate breakdown. And I'll be back next week to do the six different types of sports bettors in the market. So make sure you are following me at mfiddle14. I will tweet out all of the show links for the podcast that I'm on. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the Advantage feed if you are not already. Come find me on the Ethos Wagering, Wager Pass, and Discord channel. As always, peace out, and I'll talk to you guys soon. (laughs) 